Bolo Crossing Church, how are you doing today? It is a good day to be in the house of the Lord, and it's a good day to be with the people of the Lord. Look at this crowd. Look around. I hope that that's happening at all of our locations today. We're so thankful that each and every one of you are joining us at those locations. If you're inside or online, we're so thankful for each and every one of you as well. And for those of you at 48th, I mean, you're, you're, you're in some saturated ground right now. There were 800 men this past uh, weekend, part of Uncommon, and God was doing business. I mean, it was, stuff was going on, and it was really, really good stuff. And I have to tell you, of all of the Uncommon uh, men's conferences I've been to here, uh, this one particularly at least for me and some of the uh, circles that I was in, relationships that I was in, talking, there was some serious spiritual warfare going on. And it wasn't just with just the guys that were attending, it was with the leaders. Uh, it, it was uh, with people that have been entrusted, you know, with the care and the love of others, that they're just, they're just in the battle. And make no mistake, there's a battle. Uh, going on, and we need to know how to fight those battles and how to win those battles. And I have to tell you that uh, uh, even though that battle is very real, God is always ha- always has been and always will be more powerful. And uh, that's what we want to concentrate on today. We're in the third week of uh, Weeds in My Garden. We had an introduction week and then three weeks. And I spoke to you a couple of weeks ago. And um, if you might, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, I introduced uh, the the sermon with uh, the fact that Allison and I went to go visit friends in Post Falls, Idaho, which is just right across the uh, Idaho border from Washington, Spokane, Washington. They're uh, they're good friends of ours. Uh, as a matter of fact, Jim Putman, he's been here a few times and uh, with with some of his leaders and uh, shared with us a lot on discipleship. And so we've done a lot together, just trying to iron sharpens iron, encouraging each other. And um, I was uh, in the car with them. They were driving us around to the various locations. And I was asking him, like, what's a sermon series that you've done recently that you really felt had, uh, was impactful? And uh, they told me about a series they had done called Irreplaceable. And uh, as we were talking in the car... Um, there were some things that became apparent. First of all, the, the series Irreplaceable was born out of a response to this epidemic of suicide that they were experiencing uh, in their community and surrounding area, and uh, particularly with regards to teens. And, uh, uh, and of course, that's not just part of that area. That's happening all across uh, our country. But what really impacted me is as they were sharing, it was very personal to them. I mean, Lori was in the car. She was crying as she was sharing some of the stuff that, uh, that they had deal with. You could tell that, that it had really affected uh, her personally. And uh, as she shared, what she said was that she had attempted suicide as a teen herself, the, the pastor's wife there. And, um, and I've, I've gotten to know her because her maiden name is Harris. And found out that she's actually my cousin. Didn't know that. And the reason I'm telling you that is this. Have you ever noticed in your life 
that when somebody, you know, throws out a, a label, maybe it has, it, it's a label for a particular kind of mental illness, you can just kind of like label that. I mean, some people even use those labels kind of flippantly, and they'll, they'll, they'll use it, you know, maybe even a derogatory term. But when something happens in your family to somebody, when you experience it personally and, and, and you're kind of immersed into that, it changes your entire opinion, doesn't it? And so just hearing that uh, from Lori, it really affected me. It changed uh, my opinion, and uh, I mean, it, it became more personal to me. And they did a, when they did this series, they actually videotaped her sharing her story. And I asked her if we could share her story with all of you. So I want you to watch this video. She shares her story. We all have our brokenness and our issues and our things. And the more we can be open and honest and real with people, the more they can feel like they can be open and real and honest. The biggest lie for me was that, that I wouldn't be missed, that I wasn't important anymore, that it didn't, I didn't matter. At the same time, I just, I had a serious boyfriend and he broke up with me for another girl at the time. And so that kind of spun my world out. I had a really, really close best friend at the time. She started dating a guy who was, they were really serious, so she kind of dropped out of my life. So I felt really alone. No one would miss me. They would be able to be fine without me. I just didn't want to live anymore. That I, I just didn't want to go on anymore. I chose to take my life when I was in high school. When I was going through those hard times, I was really struggling the most just because I wasn't being real with myself and with others. I was trying to hide. I had a pretty shallow relationship with, with Jesus. It wasn't until much later that I grew my relationship with Jesus that I started to kind of figure out how the church's role helped me in my life. The church's role is to create an environment where people can build relationships. And through your relationships is when you can be real and open and honest with people so that you can bring the heavy, hard things out when things come. Lies don't go away. Satan attacks you with your weaknesses. He tries to come after me all the time with that same lie. And now I know where it comes from and I can battle it through prayer and talking about it with other people. And they can battle it with me through prayer. Write out your lies and work through it with someone, whether it be a counselor or a friend or a pastor. People don't judge you like I thought they would. I think about me being able to have a family, my kids, my grandkids, um, being in ministry and God using my story. That's been the hardest thing about talking about this moving forward is I am valuable and I am important and my life matters. God gave me a second chance. And so I'm thankful for second chances. Not everybody gets to have that. Of 
course, that video is very personally impactful for me, but I think probably the thing that, that really comes out of that, that rises to the surface, at least in me, is just how ruthless Satan is. I mean, she makes no bones about it that that voice whispering in her ear was not just her inner voice. That there was something going on. There were lies that she was believing. Lies that were being created and she was believing. And Satan is a liar. And he speaks to us in those, in those quiet whispers. And he's just so ruthless. You see, he wasn't just trying to destroy Lori at that vulnerable time in her life as a teen. He was trying to destroy the marriage that she was going to have later on to an impactful pastor. She, he was trying to destroy those children that she was going to have. He was trying to destroy the grandchildren that she was going to have. And those pictures that you saw, he was to try, trying to destroy all of that. And who knows how many impactful relationships that they have had where God has taken ground that Satan was trying to eliminate. You know, while I was pre, uh, preparing to preach this sermon, I could hear Satan lying to me. I could hear him. You don't have any business preaching this. What do you know about this? You don't understand. You just, you just need to stop. You just need to phone it in. He was lying to me. And I had to recognize what I was hearing, who I was hearing, and I had to call that out so that I could prepare what I'm going to share with all of you today. And here's what I want to say. It is time to go to war. It is time to go to war. Look at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. You got a stronghold in your life right now? We demolish arguments. Is there a voice in your head? Is there an argument in your head right now? We demolish arguments and every pretension. Is there a pretension in your mind that sets itself up against the knowledge of of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So together today, I want to ask you for something. I want you to join with me, and I want us to demolish these strongholds of Satan, these pretensions of Satan, and I want us to do it with what God tells us to do it with, and that is the truth. And the truth is found in God's Word. So I want us to pick up our weapon. We do have one. It's called the sword of the Spirit. The Bible defines the sword of the Spirit as the Word of God. And I want us together to fight this liar. Are you willing to do that with me today? All right. So I'm going to start this battle in the most unlikely place. And that's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now most of us have heard 1 Corinthians chapter 13, not because we're Bible students, not because we have the Bible memorized, or, uh, or you know, 
for any one of those other reasons, it's because most of us have attended a wedding. And if you've attended a wedding, you've heard these words, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I am but a resounding gong. Have you heard this? Yeah. It's a beautiful description of love. It's actually a definition of perfect love. But what I did after having that little conversation with God and the devil while I was working on this sermon is is God impressed on my mind 1 John, where John defines God, saying that people that don't love don't know God, and then he says this, for God is love. How many of you heard that before, that God is love? Actually, there is something in the Scripture that actually defines God as love. So, if there's a definition of love... In 1 Corinthians 13, it is also a definition of God, right? So I want us to use this scripture that you're familiar with today to help us to understand actually how to do battle with the devil. And then we're going to go to a bunch of other scriptures because, listen, it's not about what I have got to say, it's whatever the Bible says. If you're going to fight in this battle, you have to know what to fight with, okay? So here's why I set up these chairs. How many of you have ever watched cartoons? Have you ever seen the cartoons where the person's there and they're trying to make a decision and there's the little devil guy and then there's the little angel guy and they're both like talking to you? It's supposed to be like inner voice, only it's really not inner voice, you know? We kind of, some of us kind of may know that now. That's what I want these two chairs to represent. This is the devil chair. This is a devil chair. You know, and there's a spot that where, for some reason or another, he gets in our heads and we hear him. Okay? And then this is the God chair. This is the God chair. This is where he speaks to us. He speaks to us through His Word. And I want to show you the difference between what that voice says in your head that you shouldn't be listening to and what God has said. Ready? And some of you are going to relate to this because you're going, I, I heard that exact thing. Satan says, God is sick and tired of you. You are constantly whining and complaining and failing. How could he not be tired of you? 1 Corinthians 13. God defined his love. I'm patient. Truth. He's patient with you. Satan, he lies to you and he goes... God is bringing you this in your life because of the mess you've made. You disgust him. This is God's punishment on you. I'm kind. I'm patient and I'm kind. God's a killjoy. All he wants to do is take away your fun. 
and take away your freedom. He doesn't want you to be happy. That's just not God at all. I don't envy. Who can be like God anyway? Seriously. He is so much better than you. You don't deserve Him. I don't boast. God, He's ashamed of you. You never ever stop making Him look bad. I'm not proud. You deserve whatever you get. You made your bed, now just lie in that bed. I don't dishonor others. Just think about how you have wasted all of those important moments of your life, the opportunities that you had that you missed. What a failure you are. I'm not self-seeking. How could God feel anything but anger toward you? He never, ever gets a break from your stupid choices. I'm not easily angered. Come on, get real. There is just too much in your life to be forgiven for. Forgiveness is for people who are better than you. I keep no record of wrongs. You know what? God is looking for an opportunity to judge you. Someday, you're going to pay for what you've done. I don't delight in evil. I rejoice in the truth. God, you've abandoned me. I always protect. You're suspicious of me. I always trust. You've given up on me. I always hope. You're tired of me, aren't you, God? I always persevere. You have failed me. I never fail. Those are the lies that you've been hearing. Those are the lies I hear. Those are the lies we all hear. Because that's what we are. We're human beings and we're sinners. And that boat is sinking and you don't have a big enough bucket to bail it out. But God does. God does. I want you to know some specifics from God's Word about His love for you. And here's the first one. God's love for you is personal. It isn't like, oh, God loves it the whole world and so kind of a general sense, you know, He kind of loves humanity. No, God loves you. It's personal. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has, and I love this word. Everybody say this word, lavished. Say it again. Oh, yeah. 
This is like when you order steak and you order everything that you can order on it, on it. Right? That's lavish. That we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. It's not like some of you... No, that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. It's personal because God considers you His child. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. He predestined us for adoption to sonship and daughtership through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will. Look at this word right here. He didn't do that because he felt obligated to. I made him, so I guess I got to. No, he loves it. He loves the fact that he can call you his child. God's love for you is personal. He has adopted you into his family. Look at John 3, 16. For God, and this little word is one of the most powerful words in the New Testament. God so loved, he didn't just love, he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is the measure of God's love for you. That is your worth in the eyes of Almighty God, that He would not spare His own Son. It's personal. Second thing about God's love is that it is powerful enough to get you through your pain. We all have pain. Sometimes it's incredible pain, overwhelming pain. But God can get you through your pain. Look at David's words in Psalm 31. He says, I will be glad and rejoice in your love. For you saw my affliction, and you knew the anguish of my soul. He will love you through the suffering. He will love you through the pain. Look at Lamentations 3.20-22. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Some of you right now, that would describe you. My soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions never fail. That scripture goes on to say they're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. When I feel hopeless and helpless, God still loves me, and He loves you. And it's new every day. never gets old, and it never wears out. Here's the third thing about God's love. He loves you and me just as we are. Look at Romans 5.8. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He is loving you even while you're sinning. In the process of sinning, he's loving you. Look at Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. When I feel dead and ruined inside, his love can break through that. Here's the next one. God loves you enough and he loves me Enough not to allow us to stay the way we are. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 14 and 15. For Christ's love compels us. He's, 
He's compelling us because we're convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. God's love will direct you out of your old life and he will direct you into your new life. Look at Romans 5, 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God gives us exactly what we need to feel loved and then to be loving to other people. God's love will not abandon you. This is something else about His love. It won't abandon you. Look at 1 John 4.18. There's no fear in love. We're fear. We have fear about abandonment. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment, and the one who fears is not made perfect in love. God can take your fear away. Look at Romans 8.35 and then 37 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Not because of our love, but through His love. Right? For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love and you are inseparable. Look at Psalm 5, 11 and 12. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous and you surround them with your favor as a shield. God's love is a shield. It will protect you and it will keep you safe. God's love was never intended, though, to just come to us. It was designed to move through us to other people. You were never meant to be a reservoir. You're meant to be a river. And there's a mighty river of God's love that flows through you to touch other people. John 13, 34. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. It flows through you. It empowers you to love others. Look at 1 John 4, 9 through 12. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God. You, you, don't, you don't create this, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Our love for each other is strengthened because we love God, and then that in turn strengthens our ability to love God. So like, God's love comes to us, goes through us, we're able to love others. As we love others, we learn how to love God more. It just keeps rolling, this love. Today, I want you to accept the truth about who God is. 
And I just scratched the surface of the passages in the Bible about his love. I want you to accept that truth. Because Satan is trying to take you out. He's trying to destroy you. And it is the truth that dispels the lies and dispels the darkness. Accept who you are in his sight. Just like that song you were taught when you were a little kid. You're precious in his sight. Precious to him. I want you to know that there is an enemy out there and he wants to destroy you. But Jesus has defeated that enemy. And you've got to accept the fact that that enemy is defeated. How did he do it? He did it by coming down here and becoming one of us. He was tempted in every way we were tempted. He never gave in to it. And when he died on that cross and shed his blood, it was enough to cover all of our sin and all of our shame and all of our guilt and all of our punishment. It was enough. And that's why he said on that cross, it is paid in full. It has been paid in full. He paid your debt and set you free. And when he rose from the dead, he did that to prove to you that he has power over life and death. And no matter what fears you might have about your future, he is more powerful than death. He can raise you to life. And now, Satan is defeated. All he has left is lies. And he lies. To us. And I'm telling you, don't listen to him. You are loved beyond your ability to take it in, beyond your ability to measure it. You listen to God. You're loved. And I'm asking you, run to him. Run to him today. We're moving to a time of decision. So I'm standing here. I'm standing here. And, and, and we, we opened the, the sermon up with the idea of suicide. And suicide, those lies that come into your head have to do with, I want to run away. Right? I want to run away. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want have to have to feel this way anymore. I don't want to hurt like this anymore. I want to run away from that. And this is how I can run away from that. And it isn't just that. It isn't just, it isn't just that thing that we're talking about. I mean, every kind of challenge and circumstance and difficulty in life, there's something inside of us, this fight or flight, you know, and we want to run away from it, right? So I'm standing here. How many directions can I run away right now? I actually can run away from the spot that I'm standing in an infinite number of different directions. And the real problem is which direction is the right direction? Haven't you experienced in your life that you try to run away from something and then you end up in a spot that was even worse than the one that you ran away from? And you go, how did I get here? And then, I mean, you have to win the lottery. I mean, you got this infinite number of directions to run away and how do I know which one to run away from? That's another lie. That's Satan's lie. Running away is a lie. It is not about running away. It's about running toward there's an old hymn we don't sing it anymore it's called the heavenly vision and the chorus of that old hymn goes like this turn your eyes upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face 
and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. And that is the answer. The answer is not about running away. The answer is about running toward. Because when you run toward Jesus, listen to me, you're always running in the right direction. Some of you are here today and you have never come into an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You watch 19 people do that on the screen from last week. That's what God does. That's what God's in the business of doing. And it's incredible to be able to join with Him and watch Him and be able to participate. He invites us to join Him in that. Some of you don't have that intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ right now. And you've been saying things like, well, you know, I, you know my family, I have a Christian family, I go to church, I, I, uh, I'm trying to do the right thing, I'm trying to live the right way, I don't want to be a hypocrite, because, you know, which, you know, how do you stop that? Because we all are. When are you going to just run to Jesus? There's going to be somebody right over there by that baptistry, ready to talk with you, ready to pray with you, And maybe you can be one of those stories that we see on the screen next week. Somebody who said, I surrender. Lord, here's my life. All my inconsistencies, all my brokenness, all my hypocrisy. I'm going to do this terrible, Lord, but I'm going to do it. He's like, that's all right. I'm right here with you. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. You come to Christ today, right over there. Some of you here today, you've been Christians a long time. And you know what? You're struggling right now because you're going, yeah, I remember I, mean, I, came, I, remember I was hot for the Lord. I became a Christian. And, but boy, I'm struggling right now. I'm pretty confused right now. Listen, I get it. Every time I sin, and I sin plenty, and so do you, Every time I sin, everything starts getting confusing. Because I start letting that voice talk. I mean, that, that's, that's like the fertile ground for that voice to talk to you and try to tell you lies about who you are and whose you are and what you deserve and all of that stuff I just mentioned, right? Here's a time where you call Satan a liar. You want to go to war? You want to go to war? I'll tell you where war begins when it's a spiritual war. It begins on your knees. begins on your knees when you say I don't know what to do you know why because he's standing right behind you and when you get on your knees he'll just step right over you and he'll be in front of you and he said anybody wants him anybody wants her you're coming through me and you're not getting through me so I invite you to let Jesus Christ be your champion today in the situation that you're dealing with. Maybe it's not you. Maybe it's somebody in your family. You've been praying. You've been been crying out to God. Well, don't stop. Don't give up. You never know when that moment of breakthrough is going to happen. And I encourage you to storm the gates of heaven today and pray like hell and heaven depend on it.
for the person that you love. Some of you are going to see the steps fill up and you're going to go, there's no room. There's plenty of room. Let's go three deep. Let's go to war. Let's win this battle. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you will fight a battle that we could never fight and win on our own, but we can fight it and win it because you have already fought it and you have already won it. And that's why Romans can declare that we're more than conquerors. Father, help us to trust in your victory today as we seek you. Break down the walls. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.